to episode six of The Complete Anya Varda. I am Matt Castire. I'm here with Travis Trudell. How are you, Travis? I'm doing good, Matt. I'm having a good time, you know. I don't live in Greece in the 70s, so I guess uh, we got that going for us. Yeah, this is an unusual episode for us. Um, it's uh, Well, it's an unusual movie for, for Varda as well. It's a Japanese animated fantasy movie from the 80s yeah uh, it's all about the... it's all about environmental protection did i watch and... the wrong the wrong nausicaa i think uh you know what i think you potentially could have made the right choice <laughs> <laughs> um this is an unusual movie though uh aside from my bad joke uh it is uh an unfinished film the first one that we'll be discussing as a full episode um my uh online friend uh jeffrey has uh grumble grumbly accepted that we, that we are covering this movie as one of the episodes uh <laughs> even though it is uh oh, just a work print and is um was really not available anywhere uh other than if you saw it at a screening um in belgium um until I believe it was uh, sort of unceremoniously dumped as a supplement onto a um, European DVD in 2012, uh, but then was never really broadly available until uh, this complete Varda set came out. Uh, and even there, it is uh, a supplement on One Sings, The Other Doesn't, um, her next fiction feature, which we'll be covering in a couple episodes from now. Um, so it, it is, you know, in a, in a, a sea of films, films like Less Creatures and uh, some of her documentaries that are much lesser known, it is the least known of the films that we will be covering here. Um, I don't think there's more than, yeah, I think, hold on a second. Yeah, there are uh, currently... 133 ratings on imdb for this movie so not a lot of uh viewers of this one um and it is uh to uh sort of continue the theme an unusual film uh both both for varda and i think just in general yeah i think to to grumble that it doesn't belong i uh, i think that's a stretch i think this is a really it feels like a a step towards later work and it feels different from anything she's done before leading up to this so it this film felt like a kishlovsky film like it had it had a sensibility to it that made me think a lot about that season we did about his early tv work and the fact that it got censored and canned and hidden in a vault somewhere and never finished kind of also leads it like kind of lends to that uh to that feeling um you know a political statement that is being uh taken away so uh so you know censored it's uh it was something that uh that was unexpected but also i think I would love to have seen this cleaned up. I think uh, it would have been, I think if she would have went back to it and cleaned it up and finished the edit 
and released it, I think it probably would be uh, be pretty successful. Um, I mean, that's my opinion, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's yeah, talk I about should it. I should def- I should defend uh, my friend and say that he had not seen the movie yet, so ah, I think okay. it was more just like a philosophical um, Jeffrey, yeah, fe- <laughs> feeling that that it didn't um, technically count. Um, I think the other interesting thing here is that, you know, Varda has said multiple times in interviews that uh, this was censored and that was kind of the reason that um, it was never aired. And, and apparently the the original um, sort of uh, footage and even the the actual kind of, you know, print that she was working off of uh was destroyed so Mm. this is literally the only you know this this copy that that showed up in in belgium was was literally the only copy of this movie that existed um and i think that her most specific comment on it was that um france sold a lot of airplanes to to greece and so that that was the reason that she thought that it was killed I read an interesting kind of uh, theory online. There is a scene, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it, but there is a scene here where she directly calls out the TV station mm. <laughs> and and uh, complains about the fact that she wasn't able to show the sound on the scene because of union rules. Uh, and they they theorized that perhaps that uh, you know that had rubbed somebody the wrong way. Um, well, I mean, you can't it, you, it, you can't be a socialist and not go union. I mean, I'm very sorry. <laughs> you should have known better, Anyas. But <laughs> <laughs> but I do think like um, yeah. I mean, it's it that that theory seems unlikely to me just because like the it did seem like I mean especially the way that Criterion characterizes this on the disc. Um, you know, her, her studio was kind of raided and all of the materials were taken away from her. Um, so, you know, that does sound suspiciously like censorship to me. Um, yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of prone to believe, uh, for the first time on this season, I'm prone to believe Varda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saying. It doesn't seem like she, uh, uh, blew it out of proportion or uh, kind of uh, mythologized what happened. It seems that that was the uh, that this is the case. It was something that was completely uh, taken away, like in total, which is uh, which is crazy. Like just that idea that that was still happening at that point. So, especially in France, I didn't expect it in France. Yeah, <clears throat> um, it's. I mean, there's a lot here. Uh, I think that we probably will only scratch the surface of in terms of political implications mm. of the film and and of what was going on in Greece at the time. Um, I did I did some some uh, I wouldn't call it deep dive, but I would call it like shallow wading into Greek history after the my first nice. viewing of this because I did feel like I wanted to like get a firmer grasp on what was happening here. Is this um, is uh this is the 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 big conflict at Rydell High between the Pink Ladies and the T Birds, right? Uh, yeah, the wrong Greece. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. And everybody's thinking about sex. Uh, See, he's just shitty jokes all about today. We're just doing it. We're we're bringing grandpa humor into um, this episode. Yeah, that that is actually um, spelled differently. 
Ah. That's not the same type of grease. I've got to get, I've got to figure out what's going on with my, uh, with my uh, spell check. <laughs> no. So this, this uh, conflict started um, in the Iliad, I think. <laughs> it's a long conflict. It's a that's long, a big story. it's a long story. Yes, uh, that's, why I, too, that's why I didn't into go it. into it. That's why I didn't go into the <laughs> Greek history real quick. I just kind of like read a quick Wikipedia and be like, oh, wow, I did not know that happened. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, it's not funny. Um, it's terrible. Um, Greek, Greek history in, you know, obviously we all learned Greek history uh, in school because we're taught that, that that's where civilization started because nobody wants to talk about the fact that there were civilizations in Africa and, and the mm-hmm. Middle East. But, um, you know, we learn all of this stuff. Like we get the Nausicaa reference because we were, we were forced to read the Odyssey in school um and yet if you ask the average person what's been going on in greece in the last two thousand years they probably would have basically no idea other than that there was at one point a very large wedding that took place that's Um, that's about it i mean if you look at the man on the street interviews that uh, varda did in this uh, film right it's a beautiful place beautiful place the skies the skies are very blue yep um, yeah, and and really, I mean, the story of Greece in the 20th century, uh, unsurprisingly for Europe, uh, is is just a, a series of terrible events and uh, you know coup d'etats and uprisings and of course occupation during World War II. Millions of of Greeks were killed. Um, there was. Also, you know, uh, Greece was heavily involved in the uh, process through which uh, a huge number of people fled uh, during uh, war with Turkey uh, when Turkey invaded. um, And there was, you know, during the time of like the Armenian genocide and there was a huge influx of refugees into Greece, which further destabilized their government. Um, And then, of course, leading up to what uh, this this military dictatorship that was in power at the time of Nausicaa was the sort of events of the student demonstrations at the beginning of the 60s uh, that, that sort of carried through throughout the 60s um, and was you know included the uh, assassination of a major um, political leader in Greece which was eventually turned into the film Z by Costa mm-hmm. Gavras, which is a, a excellent movie languishing on DVD currently, but uh, everybody should should see that film. Um, so this is, you know, uh, not like it was a uh, pleasant place to be <laughs> yeah. before this coup d'etat happened. Um, fortunately, uh, there were only a few more years that they were able to hold on to power and. Um, sort of a constitutional democracy was restored in the mid seventies in Greece. Um, not to say that they completely stabilized, but, um, it, it, sadly, uh, no, this period did, did end, uh, a few years after this film, but it is a reflection, I think of, uh, the, the sort of chaos that these people were fleeing, that 
Varda herself, um, you know, was born to uh, a, a Greek father who fled the country because uh, it, it was destabilized, uh, not, not, you know, sort of willingly to move to Belgium or France because he thought it was a nice place. Um, so I think, you know, it part of what she's covering here is her obviously is her history. Um, but I think it's important to note that like her history isn't just that she's Greek and this is happening to her, to sort of her ancestors country. It is a, um, direct, it's directly related to the reason why she is in France. Um, and, and sort of what her father's experience was like in Greece and why he left. I wonder if uh, the germination of this I, this uh, film started with uh, her talks with Uncle Yanko and about why he also left and came and moved to where he was in San Francisco. I wonder if like putting those two pieces together made her start to think about and then followed by this coup d'etat, which, you know, at the time you have... Uh, you know, she was very heavy into the uh, Cuban Revolution and uh, what was going on there to have this coup d'etat, which is the opposite of a uh, of a revolution and a democracy taking over a, an area and seeing that this was happening and kind of putting those pieces together. Um, I let's talk about this movie. <laughs> I'm I uh, I really liked it. I really liked it more than I thought I was going to. Um, I really liked the format of it. Um, that was the thing that, that really stuck with me the most. The way that it's documentary footage of interviews with refugees uh, in the in the art world, in the literature world, writing uh just uh, people people that have uh, uh, moved to France because of uh, because of a political status uh, escaping from Greece because of the coup d'etat um, mixed with a narrative story about a young woman who resembles the the life of uh, Agnes Varda at that time or early in her years studying Greek uh, architecture and art at the uh, at an art school and then kind of delving into uh what her history is and what it means there getting politically active getting you know thoughtful about things um and then also mixed with some really absurdist fellini-esque uh cinema uh of uh, you know just weirdness uh that reminds me a lot of some of the uh stage stuff from the uh lions love and lies type uh cinema so i really enjoyed that format i think it, it it served it well i think she she had a really good concept and an idea and i i really would have liked to seen it completed to kind of see where it it finally ended up she threw a lot of stuff in there and it even though the work print is really bad and some of it is really rough to watch and some of the sound is missing um i think there was uh there was some real potential in that film what'd you think matt I struggled with it, to be honest okay. with you. I mean, I think that there's really great stuff in here. It kind of felt like a beautiful mess to me. Okay, um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think 
at uh, about 90 minutes in running time, it felt pretty long. Like it was a little mm -hmm. bit of a grind to get through because there wasn't as much narrative momentum, even when you're comparing it to something as formless as Lion's Love, I felt yep. like. Um, so, you know, I think just the fact that she has so much going on here you know, from like a lot of the things that, that we've already mentioned and that you just laid out, like the man on the street interviews, the the story of these two women who one of them is ostensibly Anya Sparta, but is uh, like as a as a student, but is maybe but is still in like modern day. Um, the stage performances, the sort of direct to camera interviews with refugees from and, and people who were exiled from Greece um, then there's the Varda stuff the way she ins inserts herself almost mm -hmm. casually and and incidentally at times um, and then uh, like the weird little bits like the guy on the Seine hitting on the the or you know grabbing the book from the woman and like oh you mean uh you mean uh Gerard Depardieu again was that Gerard, it was Depardieu? Gerard Depardieu again okay because I I was like he really looks like Gerard Depardieu but if Gerard Depardieu was on meth I think uh I think that was his look at the time before he yeah. became a famous actor and got his teeth fixed yeah he had some some teeth problems <laughs> for sure um, I was like oh he said this again oh that man. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like it, you know, it felt like a, uh, it felt like a movie in search of a movie a little bit, mm. and uh, that can be fun. And it, there's certainly moments where I was, you know, really invested and and found fascinating. Most of those moments were yeah. with her. Yeah. Um. And, and and I mean, I think the stories of the people, um, as they're kind of you know, talking the guy like who used to be a journalist, but is wrapping boxes yeah. um, and, you know, the passports and stuff like that. Like I, I, I was invested in those stories. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't feel like it came together enough to sustain a sort of the feature length running time for me. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I can agree with a lot what you said. I think the, f getting into the movie was kind of difficult um yeah. especially starting with that really theater of the absurd with statues being laid on blow up couches and all these like really obscure yeah. like uh art references and like that kind of puts you off on a different like it has such a uh like experimental sixties type film, but, uh, yeah. it moves, it moves from that. And then once you're out of that, you're with this, you're, you're, you're hearing, uh, an interview and then you're with this person. And so it takes a while to kind of get into the rhythm of it. But, uh, it, I think it was after the second, the second kind of, uh, uh, staged, uh, you know, giant mural of the Greek shoreline and they're talking about it and looking at it through binoculars like they're on a travel log for Greece. It was after that section there that the the film found a rhythm 
that I really enjoyed, and it had uh, I guess I guess those uh, those little acts had like also a Bunuelian kind of feel to them as well. They were just really absurd in uh, in sections surrealism, um, but. I don't know. There was something about the second half where the rhythm really kind of found itself that I I found myself more invested in the story, um, and the story is very sparse. But when at, when Anya starts talking about herself as a narrator, like she kind of takes over the narration of this woman and about her inner thoughts, that's when it became a little more invested for me because I was I really enjoyed hearing her thinking about her relationship to Greece and her family and then the storyline and the narrative that's kind of like following there felt that's when it felt the most like a Kishlowski film because it's a guy going to factories and trying to find people to work and going to office buildings and being you know being taken to lunch and driving in a dark car somewhere it just uh I don't know it had a it had a quality to it it was almost like a like a stepping stone linking film one of those films that a director makes that's like, eh, it's not all there, it's half baked. Yeah. But it's the it's the it's that one step that gets you to the next platform in which uh, you know, they can move forward in their careers or move forward in their styles or help pivot to a new style that kind of really redefines them as a filmmaker. So I uh, I really uh, you know, like I said, I found it more enjoyable than I thought I was going to and I think because I, once I tuned my brain into that kind of like early Kishlowski, uh TV movie type stuff, I was able to kind of like, I don't know, almost put it into a, a different, like I had a viewing window language already kind of built because of those, early, those films that this one kind of slotted into that feel pretty nicely and I was able to enjoy it that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, the difference for me may be that um there was such a sort of specificity of time and place in um in those early Kishlowski movies mm-hmm. that like you could you really got the sense of kind of the 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 petty inhumanities that people faced in in Poland in that time yeah and here it's so disconnected from what it's about Um, that there was a bit more of like an alienation a little bit like she's always you know there's that moment when uh, she she's you know sort of being semi-interviewed in her um, in her house like courtyard Mm -hmm. and you know she says people who are Greek come here and they say it reminds them of places in Greece but I've never been to Greece uh, so I don't know. And I, I felt like there was a lot of that. Like there was, it felt a lot like her struggling with this sense that she should have a stronger connection to this place, but mm-hmm. she doesn't actually have any connection to it whatsoever. It's kind of similar, I guess, to like she mentions at one point talking about, um, you know, set and how she feels a much stronger connection to set than she does to Paris. But she also knows that she's like not from set originally. Yeah. Um, so there, so 
you know, it's almost like she doesn't have a, a true home, I guess, is a little bit what she's talking about, you know, and, and she's making this movie about Greek identity, but she herself doesn't identify as Greek in, yeah. in a certain way. So it's like her kind of trying to struggle with that um, dichotomy. And I think that is both like the most fascinating part of the movie for me yeah. and something that um, makes me kind of struggle in the actual experience of watching it. I can see that. Yeah. Cause I, I saw that her trying to find herself and also not having this connection to Greece, but I saw that as part of the narrative of these other, of these refugees also not at home right. and not having that connection. So her trying to, I mean, some of it, some of it becomes a little too much like, Hey, these people's stories are a little more challenging than your story. Could you, <laughs> could you shine the light back on the people that need help? But yeah, that idea that her as a person who doesn't know her past about Greece, trying to make that connection in a time when, there were many people also unable to be at home in their homeland and enjoying their own country because of that, that, you know, I'm sure it could have been stronger, but then I worry that it becomes more didactic if it becomes too much of that. So I don't know. I I, I think, I think it found a good, I found, I was able to get on its rhythm for some reason pretty easily, which I, which, uh, you know, I guess I could never get into the rhythm of, of lake creatures. So, yeah, I mean, right. it just, you know, time and place and all that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, this also, I mean, this feels a lot more in her wheelhouse than this creatures mm-hmm. did. Yes. Like, this for sure. very much feels like a Varda movie, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and feels like you said, like a stepping stone very clearly to me, like from lion's love to, where she went in particular in her documentary work and the work that blurred the lines between documentary and fiction. This film is very much kind of looking towards that work. Um, You know, in terms of like the didacticism, it did, even though I kind of enjoyed seeing the sort of man on the street interviews, I don't know that we needed like 15 of them. Like, yeah, no, I know. I kind of got the point. Um, that that's where the uh, editing it, it felt a little bit like rubbing, rubbing, rubbing it in people's faces. Yeah, uh, at a certain point. Like, yeah, look at all it. these. Like, yeah, look at all these French people who have no idea what's going on there, but they still, which is you know part of that whole the movie being taken away. The same thing. Like we don't look at the bad stuff. We only go see the pretty stuff yeah. of a which you know is that tourism aspect that so many people do i mean how many people go and stay at some resort in like the dominican republic and not see like just how bad it is on the hayden haitian side of that island right <laughs> you know it's just uh and that uh, you know yes I, I i totally agree with you and i think that's where a second pass and more editing and stuff like that could have if she got more time to spend with it, she might have, you know, hopefully cut some of that stuff out and tighten some stuff up. Maybe even excise the theater of the absurd sections that kind of uh, <laughs> over, over, you know, it's a little over my, you know, it's so it sticks out like a sore thumb, like those those sections. It's almost too much. Um, well, I mean, it is too much it, like that. Those are 
those yeah, intentionally yeah, so I intentionally guess. yeah satirical and let's look at how like you know how ridiculous uh, let's look at all the stereotypes and blow them up to even larger proportion of like what what you think about when you think about Greece and so uh but with the tone she's setting with everything else those sections just seem like you know it's like it's part of that whole counterculture type you know filmmaking which you know, has, yeah, it, has its I, place, but not, not in this one, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if some of those moments, like the, uh, the, the like, mother-daughter, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. The democracy, the democracy, <laughs> and she's beating her with the fl- flailing her, and then yeah, Colonel, and Colonel then Ass and Colonel Ass, ass and... in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like college, uh, college, uh, uh, stand-up college, uh, right sketch comedy yeah it's yeah it's like the uh the socialist crackers or something (laughs) (laughs) i mean like the uh it's it's weird to think about this movie being on tv Uh uh-huh right i mean like it's i mean movies in the u.s on tv were like brian's song at this at this point it's not um we're not getting like uh weird experimental um montages of um reflections on coup d'etats in other countries no yeah i mean and that's i mean yeah and that's always one of those things we've uh you know when we're looking at those uh Kieslowski films and other like tv movies of that time it's like yeah or even in britain they had some really good and in uh incredibly thought-provoking uh tv uh made for tv movies that you know we weren't doing that here we were making uh, entertainment we were uh you know one step above some of the messaging of a hallmark movie and some of our tv movies at right. that time um so i guess that's i mean and that's part of the culture right there's a uh elevating the uh the discussion and the intellectual ideas uh of what art of tv could be versus the dumbing down and the bread and circus of the TV that has become what uh, American TV is nowadays. So it's a, it's a, it's different. It's so, it's so interesting to see this as something that's, you know, I totally forget that it was made for TV when we're, when I'm watching it, you know, it felt like it could have just been, you know, an art house movie, especially, you know, it could easily double feature with something like Z or, you know, something that, you know, you have both sides of the kind of the idea and uh, you have this kind of like modern take and then a bit of the historical uh, 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 dramatization part that, uh, you know, Costa Garvis is giving you, which, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a it is it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting movie to talk about because there's lots of little pieces there's some interesting stuff in the narrative storyline that works. Some of it doesn't. Um, I really like the uh, the kind of weird left turn it takes where the secretary of the industrialist who's helping him get work for a lot of the refugee Greeks right. is potentially the mother of the girl he lives with in France, which you know who who just confided that the girl's actually not greek at all like (laughs) that's her dad is not greek which makes me go well is that varda kind of like 
is that something she's always thought or did she just kind of put that into the narrative to kind of uh, help explain herself or her reasoning or it becomes something that becomes self-reflexive and you wonder you know where she was going with that because it kind of becomes un it, it leaves unresolved but uh it's Is, was it was it that he wasn't greek i thought it was just that he wasn't dead i i, I don't i thought it was that he wasn't like her dad wasn't greek i don't want her going to to greece to try to find some grave that isn't there I just I thought it was something along the lines I thought, of yeah I thought it was that so that he's not because yeah, she at tells all. this story about how her you know she she gave birth to this uh, kid who she had with this guy who died in the war and um, that she didn't know his last name or you no know, she knew his last name but like she didn't know where he was from or something and so she wasn't able to like she couldn't find the family to be like, Hey, I have your son's daughter. But then she confesses that the guy actually didn't die. And that it was just like some random soldier who didn't love her, even though she loved him. And she doesn't want to tell her daughter that that's the case. Okay. That makes sense too. I, uh, I guess I read it the other way. That makes uh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I... it's it, the, the, there is a lot of like twists and turns in the back half of this movie yes. where I feel like I need to watch it like <laughs> a few more times before I fully can comprehend what's going on, but especially because it's like you're, you're kind of getting invested in this guy's story. Um, and first of all, I don't even know his name. I no. don't know who the guy, what the guy's name is. It's um, it's Mikhail Michael. There you go. I think. Yeah. I think. Um, yes. And then like all of a sudden we're cutting away to, you know, the, the, the kooky stage skits or the interviews with other people. Um, and so it's hard to sort of, oh, and then you see him in real life talking yes. to actual, you know, real life Greek people on the ship. So it's hard to like know kind of where the real stuff ends and the fake stuff begins mm -hmm. and also where where his story like see the through line of his story um and and it's it, it was also jarring as well for me because going in i sort of you know and never do this never read like the letterbox summary or, <laughs> or imdb log line or whatever you want to call it like because i thought this movie was going to be about the the girl yeah and it's not really no no i mean it's, it, it kind of starts with her and then i think that's where i meant like the story kind of like narratively picks up in the second half because that's yeah. when his story has a more cohesive kind of through line because the fact that all of a sudden with very little interaction um anyas decides to sleep with this guy because she loves him and it like the separation becomes something that is super melodramatic and it that like it just takes a weird left turn especially because he knows that that's the daughter of the lady he was just hanging out with for a day it's a uh, it becomes it becomes a little uh, a little melodramatic but it's his his storyline actually you know has a through line where hers is kind of 
you know, that bopping around town and kind of picking up pieces. You know, you get a little bit of the Greek architecture, Greek uh, sculpture. You get her selling her books door to door and trying to talk yeah. to people. Her trying to get a job uh, being a tour guide in Greece for for Club Med. Um, which is funny because that comes right after an interview with the guy who works at Club Med. <laughs> which right. is, you know, so you can see, you know those little seams that show how she's piecing this together, like where she's coming along with the story as she's picking up the pieces of stories from actual people. I find that fascinating, that concept of, you know, interviewing someone about this person and then use or about this incident, then using some of the things they say as a springboard to move your narrative that you have on the side forward. I think right. that's, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, I wish there was kind of a bit more of it, but that's where that, that bleed between reality and fiction kind of really um, becomes, becomes hard to kind of pull apart. But yeah, no, I understand what you're saying about the, that guy's story, how, you don't know when he's real, when he isn't. We we start with one refugee who kind of looks like him, but then he's the guy who brings Michael to stay at right. that apartment. So then I'm like, oh wait, so we're not following that guy. <laughs> so it does uh it it does get a uh, it does get confusing. But I don't know something about that second half that really kind of held me held me in there for a while, and uh, I really enjoyed it once I got into the rhythm of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. I, I think um, all you're talking about is kind of the same reasons why I think it felt a little bit like a like a grind. Like, yeah, there is this sense that she's kind of searching for her own identity and almost like justification for who she is. I mean, I uh -huh. think there's there's definitely like some guilt in here yeah um, i can you know, see I, that. I don't feel like those interviews are her saying like oh you stupid french people like i think she's probably like i think she probably feels a little bit like you know she's not involved in this yeah she's right with them either yeah she's right with yeah. the other french people that didn't know any better until now yeah um and yeah. i think she was i think that that uh, I think that she was still kind of living in Los Angeles at this point. Um, I think she came back to France to make this movie um, based on what I read, because I think she had, uh, you know, a, a, another child uh, right around like this time or the early in the early seventies. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's when they kind of moved back to uh paris uh for for quite a while until they separated and varda went back to uh to california um but i think there's probably you know to your earlier point about um her uncle like there is probably this feeling that you know she had been away from paris for say, the 68 protests um she was kind of like separating herself from who she was as a person. Um, and this was kind of a way to not only try to reconnect with, with her identity, but also like work through her past um, with the use of this sort of younger avatar for herself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think like like we like we've said a few times, I think there's lots of good ideas or thoughts going on within it, but it just doesn't hold pull together the way that something with a little more time or thought or or self-reflection when she's yeah or maybe even just more editing time yeah exactly a little like some fresh eyes on it to kind of say hey let's get rid of this let's tighten up this let's yeah let's go get some let's go get some narrative voiceover work here to make this make sense um it's uh yeah it's fascinating it's a rarely do we get to see like work prints of people's movies and how they're yeah like putting them together in a technical aspect um you know, usually we get to see the polished thing that they've created and what they want to showcase to everyone. Occasionally you get the movie where a studio has taken it away and kind of done it their right. own thing. But to get like a rough a rough work print of the of the movie and kinda it's and like not have a finished thing either. Yeah, it's like seeing someone's journals. It's like just you yeah. got the rough ideas coming pouring out and you know, it's a mess. It's messy, and you can see all the seams and all the uh, all the bits and pieces that uh, don't. You know, it's the ore in the uh, rock before it's uh, made into something shiny and nice. And it's 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 fun to see something like that, especially you know, knowing the body of work that she has and how many movies that she has that we're going to be covering. To include this one as a standalone movie is is a works well because it is something that is wholly unique to a filmmaker's career and i you know i find because even when we talked about uh uh kieslowski's films the movies that were censored the movies that were taken away the movies that were shelved they were all eventually released he finished them they were never unfinished works they they were finished and they were finally seen eventually uh, and mostly to great acclaim or to even kind of like, well, that time has passed. We've already moved on, but, you know, we can see it for what it is as a as a nice piece of art where this is something that is just so. So unique, it's a it's a fun experience to uh, to uh, to watch it and think about it in terms of the rest of her career. Yeah, and she um, I haven't seen um, Agnes by Varda uh, yet. Um I was, you know, kind of saving it for yep. for this watch through, but apparently she doesn't mention this film um, in the film, and I don't think she mentions it in her uh, very much in her um, autobiography either. That the the film is based on, um, which has not been, I think we've mentioned, has not been translated into English yet. No. Um, and it it's interesting to me because it does feel like a really personal work, um, but you know, I wonder how much she was aware of like what was available to even see for anybody. And then you add on top of that, that she wasn't actually able to finish it. I don't honestly know how kind of proud she was of this sort of only surviving version of the movie. Um, certainly there wasn't much that she could do to, um, you know, work it into whatever it was that was her original vision or most likely she didn't even know what her vision yeah uh, was going to be because she you know she got kind of interrupted in the creative process yeah i wonder if uh if there was more than that print if she was able to make herself another cabin uh for uh <laughs> 
another cabin of her Ooh, of, yeah. of, of her installation <laughs> uh, out of that footage another another piece <laughs> shack but uh yeah no it's a uh, it's hard because even if you want to even if she wants to clean it up and rework it and work it there's none there's no other footage there's no alternatives there's no alternate takes there's no right. other interview pieces everything's gone so that's hard and uh, you know at that point you kind of wonder if uh she just cuts her losses and just ignores it as part of her history and it becomes right. a footnote as opposed to uh, something else but you know I think in the long view of what we do here on this podcast it, it does become you know another another lovely brick in her uh, in the the house that is her career so I, what, I think it's worth talking about yeah no absolutely um, what do you think of the title Nausicaa like the reference to to the Odyssey I mean she mentions the Odyssey in the film but doesn't really connect it directly to that character well towards the end she she, i think she refers to herself as that character or that character of herself being played within the film oh okay Um, i thought yeah because she at one point she says like that the odyssey was her bible when she was yeah a kid although she also says she read the bible when she was a kid (laughs) and the bible was also her bible when she yeah (laughs) yeah she talks about a lot about that that part was fascinating where we're just kind of we're on a train ride and we're kind of following this guy around as she's yeah. talking about her childhood and like i thought it was great she's talking about she was reading all this poetry by this one author and then now we cut to an interview of that author um who's been exiled and who's now working here in uh yeah. in france and i think in terms of you know she goes through the mythologizing of everything Greek and all the, uh, you know, the Odyssey and stuff like that. And then, so she casts herself in that role, but, and then it also becomes a bit with, um, I'm going to get that name wrong because it's, I'm blanking on it, but, uh, the character, you know, the character ends up sleeping with, uh, Agnes, which is a bit, a part of that same thing with the Odyssey with the, uh, you know, um, is it Ceres? The, the one that uh, turns all the uh, sailors into the pigs. And then uh, he sleeps with her and turn and to uh, get her to turn all the sailors back. Um, there's a bit of that, that feeling of that where she's, uh, she sleeps with him at the moment where he's trying to collect all his men to go in work at this factory and stuff like that there's there's little touches where it doesn't work and connect fully but you could see where she kind of might have been moving with that with putting some of that greek mythology within the narrative structure of a man searching and trying to get back home which yeah. is you know what that whole you know right whole book is about yeah that's true i i think there is a sense of like because nausicaa essentially like saves odysseus and Mm. and gets him home in the end uh or at least sort of directs him towards what he needs to do to get home um you know she's nausicaa is the film nausicaa for her like there is a sense of like you know is there a a way to get home a little bit and the movie feels like it's searching for that yeah i think it has that it, it makes that connection in the name and it's one of those you know i had to kind of go and 
re-familiarize myself with that character in in the uh, in the Odyssey to kind because of, it had yeah. been a while. No, I, me too. <laughs> I remember certain parts, but I didn't remember the whole thing. So, it was, and then of course, you know, we made the joke earlier about uh, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind uh, in the Valley of the Wind uh, that uh, that uh, all I could do is think about that character as opposed to. Uh, Oh, that reminds me. I gotta, I gotta talk to you about Ant Man after this, because um, <clears throat> they basically stole the look of the characters from that Miyazaki movie. For oh their, wow! Uh, for their uh, flying around on uh, some sort of giant space manta ray. But anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah. So uh, you know the the connections that she's trying to make within the film to uh, the Greek mythology, along with Greek architecture, Greek art, Greek sculpture. You know, she's, it's almost kind of like uh, she's taking her ideas from her travelogue films, which is, you know, try to piece everything together and modernize it in a manner that helps tell the story of a place without uh, doing the boring telling of the story of the place, which, you know, works well with her shorter travelogue films, but um, kind of, you know, doesn't always connect fully in this film due to the the length and the uh, jarring uh, editing into uh, different scenes and different styles uh, it kind of goes a little uh, you know goes a little too off the rails uh, sometimes and doesn't make the points I think she is trying to make but then again like I said like we said those points could have been solidified and driven home better if she, you know, had the time and the space to edit the movie the way she wanted to before it was all snatched away. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover? I do feel like you've you've sold me on on going back to this movie and pulling more out of it. I mean, I think like the the way that um, uh, as you've been talking about, kind of the two or three or four different uh, elements <laughs> of this movie. Um, it, it does feel more kind of like, uh, even though it's, uh, even though it's not sort of elegantly um, merged, mm. it is like a, it's almost like you take the two parts of point court and like dump them into a bucket together. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it might not like, be perfect uh the way it came out but it feels like all one thing mm -hmm. in like a weird way um and that in in that way it it's kind of like a gradual progression of her technique of merging these these elements both like technical and thematic uh, that are her primary concerns you know um yeah both like the the documentary and fictional styles of film but also the personal the political the um the artistic the um improvised the casual yeah um uh, sort of messy for for um authenticity's sake versus like um you know sort of the uh intentionality that she would you know go on to kind of turn into somewhat of like a, a theory um yeah so it does feel a little bit like more essential than i had perhaps given it credit for 
Yeah, it's part. It's kind of like her. Uh, what's her What's her big theory of a cinecritcher? Cine, cine. Yeah, cinecritcher. Cinecritcher. Yeah. Cine yeah. Um, it's kind of like you know. It, this is like a. This is like the first attempt at a quilt. You know, if you've ever received a quilt from a relative that this is their first time <laughs> making a quilt, you're kind of like. I see a pattern, but the pattern's kind of a mess. It's all over the place. There's some fabric from like my childhood and there's some fabric from like a family thing that, you know, they, they put in there and there's kind of like, it's kind of all over the place. But then, you know, later after they've built this one quilt, they, they make something that makes more sense, that there's a better theme, that there's better, uh, better stitch work happening within it. It's, it, it feels very much like that. It feels like, an attempt at an attempt at something that eventually will become something that is more refined and better better made because that is definitely what she goes on to do yeah you know the the fire and the energy is still there it just feels a bit of a little bit misplaced in terms of um you know who, who is this story about and who is this story for? You know, is it about the the Greek refugees? Is it about the problem in Greece? Is it about Greece? Or is it about your, you know, her place in this tapestry of what Greece means and how she's trying, struggling to make that connection to this place that should, if it's so epic and historical and 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 traumatic and dramatic in this place that why doesn't she have a stronger connection to it because that seems to be you know it's like finding out that you're you know you're related to the uh to like a, a very strong giant family bloodline that you know that was you know ran through history like you're one of Genghis Khan's kids and you're like well I should have a stronger sense of who I am as a Mongol but really it's uh that's not that's <laughs> that's not happening here yeah but it's um working. yeah any anything else on this film that you want to cover I mean it's it's a hard one to sort of you can't really go through it beat by beat because no. there, there's so much kind of happening at all times i mean it's certainly i guess that's also true of lion's love but it's just that lion's love was so hyper focused and specific yes. um this is a lot more ambitious yeah i agree and i think uh there's some moments of grace in this movie for sure i really like uh i really like when uh, there's a, a greek woman uh singing a traditional song um yeah looking right at the camera and then that song carries through the next few scenes underneath. I really like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's moments in here that you could tell that, uh, you know, she struck gold with an idea and it paid off really well. But it is, it is, uh, you know, throwing a lot of spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks and trying to make a meal out of it, which, you know, can can get challenging. I think, uh, I think her. I think going back and reiterating something you said earlier, Matt, which is she feels like she's trying to make a connection to this place. And I think that's where this movie has its biggest hole is her trying to make it personal in that connection. And because of that, 
it's lots of reaching and trying to figure out like yeah. wh- where she can get into this idea and this concept through all these different methodologies of filmmaking and you know not coming to a satisfying ending for herself i think as well because if i remember correctly i mean i haven't seen all of all of her i haven't seen agnes by varda or varda by agnes which whichever one it is i haven't seen that either yet waiting for this this time to talk about it but i don't think she really ever revisits this greek um concept and greek heritage to a larger extent again that's an interesting point yeah i don't i don't know that she that she does certainly not in anything that i can remember um so yeah no that is that is interesting especially since this wasn't ever released so Mm -hmm. it's not like she kind of got it got it out of her system um truly yeah um so yeah, no, I think it will be interesting to see if that does come up in anything that that we haven't kind of watched uh, before or, or perhaps have forgotten. Um, it is funny that uh, the the her last film en- ends with her, you know, the the uh, camera running out of film, um, and <laughs> this one because it's a, a d- unintentionally ends similarly in that it's a work print. Um, so there, I mean, there, there's big stretches a couple of times in this, um, where, you know, it's just sort of like blank screen. Um, but I just thought that that was a, a funny coincidence. Yeah, I agree. Just kind of runs out at the end and there's the long beep of, uh, yeah, <laughs> of the there's a couple being... of those, uh, through, through the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like, I guess the only other thing is just sort of from a, from a purely kind of visual technical perspective, this doesn't feel as um, accomplished or, or I guess ambitious as some of her earlier work does. um, Yeah. Probably intentionally. Yeah, I agree. I think she's working at a TV budget. So there's no, there's none of that uh, really kind of uh, gliding cameras or moving movement shots. Everything. I mean, I think that's why I was laughing about the, the, the Polish cinema TV. Like you could tell, you could tell that it was a, you know, you had a limited budget and this is just how it was. So the stuff they got was very static. I mean, it was well composed. She still has her eye there, but, uh, it was, it wasn't very cinematic at all. It was, uh, it felt a lot more workman like, uh, you know, man on the street stuff. And then the narrative stuff was very contained. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Well, uh, we did want to cover um, one of her shorts uh, on this episode, um, and this is uh, a film that she also made for television, mm-hmm. um, which could not be shown on American television. Oh no way! <laughs> she even got letters. I think she said in the uh, the intro yeah. to it, she got letters saying, "How could you show this?" But she's absolutely right. The image, the, some of the images she put together are just joyous and vibrant and lovely. Yeah. So, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, what we're talking about is uh, "Women Reply," um, and it was, I think, part of a series on, um, like, the subject of women. Yeah, they decided uh, 1975 was the year of the woman. The uh, I can't remember the the national. Uh, 
what group decided it was like a world organization kind of thing decided to celebrate women all over the world and so france decided to do a television series it was called uh well in english it would be w is for women but right it's uh, f is for f, femme yeah yeah so uh yeah this was 1975 so five years so she yeah this is a it, big, it, another big area and i think this is because of uh I don't know if this is because of her having a child or not or what the deal was or her going back and forth to L.A. to uh, see her husband back there or not. But, uh, yeah, that's another big giant jump, and it's only a short film. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, I had the same thought thinking about when I saw, you know, the date on this film. Um, and, yeah, she did have an, uh, another child, I think her second right yeah mike um, michael M- matthew. Oh, matthew 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 i think yeah matthew um he was born in uh 72 so after nausicaa um and the the feature that we'll be covering next week daguerreotypes um was specifically shot uh and created by varda uh in a way that allowed her to like stay near her house basically yeah that um, that'll be interesting to talk about i really yeah. like that concept but this, yeah, uh, um, this is a this is a very interesting uh, artistic and well well put together piece. I mean, it it probably wouldn't fly in some of today's uh, culture. Yeah, I mean the, the first the first line. Is. Yeah, the first line of this movie um, ha, has not aged well for no. a lot of people. But I I mean I, to me like and and what we're talking about here is is that it's a it's a shot of a baby, a female baby, and it says that uh you know it says a a woman is someone who is born with female genitalia yeah um but i i mean to me that's kind of i i I don't think it's intentionally um controversial or or sort of a a declarative statement it's a little bit like making a documentary in 1920 saying like marriage is is a union between a man and a woman like yeah they just kind of thought that was like a, a given thing in society by yeah. society. And at the time, uh, and at the time, this is like in the midst of second wave feminism and they're working hard to kind of help break the misogynistic tendencies and patriarchal tendencies of French society. So she's making a very strong political statement in this movie yeah. about women's rights and female power, which is, you know, so all modernized. Uh, there is probably going to be bristling to some of the concepts in this piece, but at yeah. the time it's, it's a very powerful, very strong and very feminist. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's good. Well, and I think like uh, is somewhat ironically um, the film is, very much about how there is ultimately no way to define a woman mm-hmm. that there are you know uh half the world is women is women so it's really hard to generalize about um you know billions of people um and so you know even though the sort of the rhetoric that she is using at times here has been co-opted by people with a specific political point um, and sort of are, who are holding on to old perceptions that society has um, taken as, as given that are very much not um, given. Um, 
it's still, I think, applicable to, um, you know, what at least I perceive of as feminism today, which is the idea that, um, you know, women are individuals and have the same rights and should be afforded the same rights and freedoms as men uh, yeah. or non-binary people for that matter, which is not something they would have talked about in, in the early seventies uh, on TV. But, um, you know, I think there, there is still a lot here that is relevant. Um, if you can kind of remove it from, from the modern uh, conversation. Yeah, there, no, there's a lot of stuff that's still, uh, is relevant here and uh, the way that she approaches it is uh, once again going back to her kind of uh, uh, playful and her yes. her very kind of like uh, not tongue-in-cheek but kind of she's really poking poking at the uh, at the subject and uh, you know using using a lot of men's words against them which I'm sure a lot of this has been things that she's heard herself uh, being a part of, you know, the boys club of the French New Wave, going to fil- lots of uh, film screenings and film film uh, uh, festivals, uh, having her film showing there and being the only female director in a room. Um, I'm sure she had lots of this stuff. So to be able to um, have a have eight minutes to tell this tell and address a lot of these concerns is a uh, is very interesting some of them being like just the idea that uh you know the uh, one of the stronger viewpoints was the the concept of uh, uh being a mother versus not being a mother doesn't make you any right. more or less of a woman um and then you know just throwing that line out right now of uh of like does not having a son make you less of a man like how does that change what you know why would that change anything about you as a man why would it change anything about me as a woman it's a it it was it's really good i just so happened at this time to be reading a fantastic book um called ejaculate responsibly um (laughs) if you haven't read this book it's absolutely fantastic it's just about the concept of we're approaching everything wrong about uh, the ideas of uh, female reproduction when we start to think about who really is the one who who needs to be responsible and it's a, the person who's ejaculating. And so listening to watching this uh, women's response, women's reply, um, and listening to the uh, the things that they're addressing, um, made me think a lot about some of the uh, topics in that book, which uh, which was uh, very, still very, very, you know, as much as we'd like to say that, you know, the world has moved on and we've moved past this thing so it becomes quaint or antiquated, it doesn't. They're still making, like, some of the arguments in this piece from 1975, yeah. women are still having to make and, and like, defy themse- defi- define themselves by... Um, to prove that these are all stereotypes and things that aren't worth discussing. So it's a, it's a, and it's a really nice piece. There's uh, lots of discussion of uh, the female form, um, how it relates to advertising, and how yeah. uh, women are used to sell everything, which still happens to this day. 
Um, you know, now we've just also objectified some men, which, you know, it's still object- objectification. We're just still selling products. <laughs> Schmidt's gay. <laughs> yeah, sh- if you yeah. like beer <laughs> if and you're gay. If you like beer and you're gay. <laughs> it's um, the same yeah. exact stuff. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, we were even just looking for like a hang, one of those like hanging egg chairs for mm-hmm. our porch. And the- <laughs> it was just like a picture. Uh, like, wh- why? I don't no idea why there would be like. A scantily clad woman like l- sitting in a hanging egg chair for your porch but there was yep. one right there yeah they can't um, they can't help themselves they can't help because themselves. it's a bunch of men who are coming up with the advertisements for it so it's yeah it, and, and i mean the french advertisements are um much more provocative oh uh, yes <laughs> fully you nude can go you can go all the way <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah fully um, nude to, to to sell you that car yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have two, two things. Uh, well, I have one thing to say about this documentary, but also um, you reminded me, I think, of, of one thing about Nausicaa that I didn't mention, which is that it didn't feel like it had the same degree of playfulness as yes. her other her other work. Obviously, there were some and most most particularly in the in the staged. Yeah, um, it was all components. crammed in there. Yeah, but but the rest of it felt felt very like sort of drained of her typical um, personality, both in terms of like the you know the playfulness of of the the actual film, but then also like the technical components of it too, um, which which totally came back in a big way here, um, which is interesting because this is I think just as you know political and and angry of a film as Nausicaa is um about its subject um the the thing that really struck me here is something that i think is is often the case with successful documentaries which is that and and in particular documentaries that criticize capitalism or advertising um which is that uh this felt like a commercial for dove soap (laughs) i right (laughs) I mean, like the the way that that this has been co opted, mm-hmm. um, is uh, was really striking to me. Yeah, it's it's using it's using those it's using those same concepts and ideas of getting women together to talk about what it means to be a woman, and then monetizing on that by yeah. selling a product attached to it, which is it's totally fucked up. It's a uh, and it's it's something. It's something that we as a society uh, allow to happen, and it happens successfully all the time. Like we 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 co-opt all these concepts to just continuously sell to ourselves and sell to each other. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's absolutely crazy. It's like how Koinus Katsi um, seems like a pharmaceutical ad now. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, right. Or uh, you know, yeah. Any or piece like a of, bank commercial. It's any like... piece of art does that. How many <laughs> like they've ripped off all kinds of two thousand and one a space odyssey to right. sell cars and it's uh it's crazy. And then everyone just sells like <laughs> yeah. all the artists that they're ripping off sell. Right. <laughs> Even Andy well, now, Warhol. Now and now like you're you know, <laughs> you're it's great if you're able to, you know, get a commercial deal or uh huh. Um, you know, you're making your indie movie so that you can uh make ant-man four but yeah no so that i mean that really struck me um watching this like the aesthetics of this have been 
um, totally absorbed into the mainstream, but it must have felt very um, different in, in its in, in its time. Um, and and yeah, I, I was very impressed by it. I I had seen it before, but but um, uh, in the context of of her other work, it also feels different than than the other work that she did. Yeah, no, it does. It uh, it's crazy. Uh, did you? When we were watching, I think it's when we were watching uh, Chris, not the Christmas Carol, but yeah, the Christmas Carol and the uh, the incomplete short film yeah, or the test. Did no you watch one, no the commercials anything. that she made? Oh, I don't think I don't think I saw those. So right underneath her unfinished films, there's her commercials she made. So she made commercials for three different companies, like three com- three spots, and this. As much as we're making, we're talking about uh, capitalism. This felt a lot in the same vein mm. as some of those commercials. There's a playfulness with the messaging. The message is the key to what she wants to talk about, and she's using images and playfulness and this unique, you know, uh, perspective in the way she delivers this content um, to be able to get to the point quickly i mean she only has seven minutes uh each one of the segments was seven minutes long and she said it was made with other female filmmakers also were doing these segments and it kind of i really wish in moments like this that they i'm gonna have to go and look for other segments but it'd be lovely to also see everyone else's segment i know i was trying to look for them yeah i couldn't find any yeah because that's I love seeing those types of things in context to kind of see how they stood out or what totally, the, you know, so, but if you get a chance, watch those commercials that are on yeah. that disc because it has a bit of that quality. This, uh, she knows how to get a message across efficiently and have it still feel like, you know, you know, she's giving you your, uh, your spoonful of sugar with your medicine, which yeah. is, which is good, and uh, yeah, no, I thought I agree. I thought this is is absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, the message is very clear and good, and it's playful in all the right places. Um, it has it has some repetitive repetitive nature to some of the language, which helps sell some points. It's uh, it's really well done. She includes herself in it as usual. Somehow she's made it, made it so she's in it as well, just for a brief bit, and you know, and it's crazy to make a to make a thing to make a a a, sh- a piece like this, which is directly commenting on using women's bodies to sell information. She's also using women's bodies to sell information, but it's an information right. of her agenda as well. So it's, uh, there's all kinds of, <laughs> there's all kinds of different layers, you know, cause you know, she's doing it on purpose because she is who she is and you know, she's thought it out fully, uh, the way she goes about doing most of her work. So, uh, you know, there's all kinds of layers and in a simple eight minutes, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive what she's able to discuss and talk about. She, she basically says she had seven points to make, so she made one point per minute, um, <laughs> which was, you know, which was great. 
I want I want to be one of those guys that's like the guy <laughs> in the guy in the guy clip. The, like, the, the 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 total the misogynists. Yeah, just stand just stand there and and look sad. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I uh, wonder what her direction she gave <laughs> <Yeah>. them was. <laughs> Everyone, look over here. You you can't see this thing. It's really sad. <laughs> Feel bad. About Feel bad yourself. about <laughs> an action. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom is really disappointed yeah. in you. And go. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then they slowly start to zoom in on a section of them. I'm like, oh, what are these guys? <laughs> These guys are the really bad ones. <laughs> oh, no, it was too good. I liked, I liked it a lot, and I liked how the other thing is like I thought there was only going to be the one, like kind of like the blonde model uh, as the voice of the whole project, but then each time a new woman had a voice, and then the voice came stronger in the next piece, and then. They moved away. It was it was good. It was it was, yeah. it was really well done. I uh, if you haven't seen this, I highly recommend it for everyone who who is looking to you know. I think my my kids my kids came in the room when we were watching this one, and you know of course my my daughter was just like, "Geez, Dad, what are you watching?" I'm like, "Just <laughs> listen to this." Just pay attention, <laughs> and then it went to the pregnant the, the when the woman was uh, pregnant yeah. and talking about uh, how good she feels and how alive and 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 full of life and how beautiful she feels being pregnant. It was a uh, that's a really that's a really powerful statement because a lot of women don't feel good and we they internalize that they're not supposed to feel good when they're that yeah. big, and because that's the message that media and society gives them, but. You know, it is it is true. There's something absolutely stunning about a yeah, it's pregnant joyful. Woman. It's joyful. I mean, and and it's also like I you use the the term that using the women's bodies here, which I totally get what you were saying, but it made me think like that that really what she's doing here is is trying to allow these women to reclaim the images mm-hmm. of their their own bodies. Um, and so she's not intending to use them, but rather to depict, you know, them as they as they want to be seen and and, and see themselves, um, which you know I think is uh, a necessary distinction. Um, and yeah, I I, th- I thought it was really impressive. Um, good stuff. Yeah, very, very good very stuff. Good. And and I think you know leads in very much to the the next. Uh, fictional feature that she would make which will be uh two episodes from now um do you want to include nausicaa in our rankings or uh it's i feel i feel kind of bad because yeah it's not like she it's not like she she um you know should we finished it should we do like a, a like 62 like uh put a put an asterisk next to it yeah that it's exactly. uh, it's in there but it's not official yeah. <laughs> right exactly yeah well, well I, i'm also just i guess curious like because i know you, uh, i i assume you would put this above creatures i, I definitely um, do i think right yeah. right now i have it uh you know i have point court creatures nausicaa lions and then Cleo and uh, Le Bonaire. Yeah. Because um, I do think, you know, like we talked about last week, Lions does have this 
just comedic sensibility and joy and fun and zaniness and life uh, that's going on in it that uh, can't be denied and you can see pieces of that in Nausicaa in those uh, in those uh, staged scenes yeah. but uh, you know you also do feel a sense that you know, it was hard uh, I almost I almost put it I almost put <laughs> I need to watch Lake Creatures again Matt that's what's happening to me now <laughs> because like I want to I put it ahead of it and then as I did that I'm like I can't stop thinking of Lake Creatures. Maybe it's better than this movie. Maybe, like, the, yeah, the structure is is easier to kind of follow, but maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I brought the wrong energy to it. Maybe I need to watch it again. So I think if you're going to have to watch Nausicaa again, I'm going to have to watch Lake Creatures yeah. again because I think that's what's going on here is uh, I'm starting to feel like as we keep talking about these movies, I keep on thinking about that movie. I keep on thinking about Lake Creatures. So... It's gonna what? There's gonna be a big upset towards the end of this series where I've gone back to watch that movie one more time so it could do the final rankings, and it's gonna <laughs> like one. move up the ranks somewhere, and it's a, uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a shock. It's gonna be your favorite movie ever made so, <laughs> by viewing Fifty Four. <laughs> I get it. I've unlocked it. What do you think? Where's the, this is way down there for you, right? Yeah, I think I would put this at, at the bottom. Um, okay. But again, I feel bad doing that because I think you know she didn't she didn't um, she didn't really get to to give it her give it her best. Um, yeah. So you know. I think I just think there's there's you know but again I I do want to rewatch it. I think there's a lot to mine out of um Point Court and uh yes and creatures in a way that you know this one is harder for me to yeah. see. No, I I I agree I agree fully. I think uh her movies aren't one-time views for some of these things. There's just stuff in there that you know, may not resonate right away, but can resonate at later times or in different points of your life, like most of the movies. But, you know, as part of the cinematic empathy machine, I did really enjoy um, just the heart on her sleeve trying to get stories of these people out for the French population to see. Cause yeah. I have to assume they didn't touch up on it, but they kind of did with the uh, industrialists, but I have to assume there was, like anything else, there was a large blowback to the amount of refugees coming into that country and right. the amount of, you know, uh, efforts and resources going to helping them that uh, I'm sure many French citizens were uh, upset about. So, um, you know, trying really hard to change hearts and minds like that is always an undertaking that is... Uh, that can be really valuable. So it's, it's hard, it's hard to do that. So, you know, it's a, it's a valiant effort, but yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap this up? I don't think so. Um, yeah. So next, next time we will be covering, um, daguerreotypes, which Mm -hmm. is a documentary that she made about the street that she lives on. Uh, in Paris and lived on for for most of her life um, so it's it's a very different
different kind of film than this uh, and very different from the film that she would make afterwards. Um, but it's a, a rather charming work that I'm excited to revisit. Nice. Well, I think with that, we're complete for another week. 